0: Hey there, humanoids, this is David Shoemaker here with a very exciting announcement. Your favorite wrestling podcast feed, The Ringer Wrestling Show, is now going daily. And you can hang out with me and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays for The Masked Man Show. And you can join me, Peter Rosenberg, alongside stat guy Greg and Dip, every Tuesday with Cheap Heat. And on Fridays, I'll welcome a friend or special guest from the world of wrestling. And on Wednesdays, we have a very special new show called Wednesday Worldwide that you're going to want to check out.
1: Pay-per-view reaction, one-of-a-kind interviews, fantasy booking, talking about bagels. That's what we do here on The Ringer Wrestling Show.
0: Follow the show now on Spotify. And do us a favor. Give us five stars. And do us another favor and uh, stay mage.
2: And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Hello, and welcome to the Bringer NFL. Divisional round recap show. Uh, the divisional round is in the books. The 49ers and the Bengals are moving on. The Cowboys and the Bills are going home. I'm Nora Princiati. I am here with Steven Ruiz and Benjamin Solak. We're about four uh co-hosts short of a Fox pregame show lineup, but that is okay. We're gonna break down both of these games and have a lot of fun. We're gonna start with uh 49ers Cowboys, the Niners are going to play the Eagles in the NFC championship game. They win 19 to 12. Uh, Ben, you're going to have to explain to me what I just watched, because I think, I think what my eyes say, see, is that I saw Zeke Elliott line up at center to begin a, a last dash Hail Mary play for the Cowboys, snap the ball to Dak Prescott, get absolutely leveled, the ball goes to Kavante Turpin. An absolute silliness and incompetence ensue, but that can't possibly be right. what they came up with on a season-defining play, right? Like that, something wrong. And t- call- things, wait, yeah.
1: wait, wait, wait! I got a name for it. Do we call it the hook and sadder, or do- is there something better than
0: that? <laughs> oh, I like hook and sadder. No, that that's was really good. good. The uh, firstly, let, let's let's highlight the important things. Number one, high-quality snap from Zeke. Shotgun right to the mitts. I mean, dead, dead center too. Sip okay?
1: on that thing. The Ravens should sign him.
0: <laughs> Play started off great, okay? Number two. And then we have happened? To, we have to remember that this entire week, Mike McCarthy has been... <laughs> I can't do this seriously. with Steve seeing Steven on the Zoom. This entire week, Mike McCarthy's been like, all right, last season, ended against these guys, ended on a QB draw. That was really bad. Can't do that again. And so he was positive. He had an end of the... End of gameplay dialed up that was not QB draw with 14 seconds left and no timeouts. And he did. He succeeded. He avoided running another QB draw. So big for Mike. This is progress. All right, we're growing. What I think is supposed to happen is you got like three blockers to one side and three blockers to the other side. And then you got two seam runners. Uh-huh. And Dak throws to the seam runner on the left, which is Cavante Turpin. And then Turpin is supposed to throw it all the way back to the right side of the field where CD Lamb has like three blockers in front of him. And that's how they're going to kind of start this play it's very interesting though because if you told me like hey ben you're running the cowboys uh we need to go 80 yards in zero seconds we need a pitchy pitchy woo woo play who would you like to end up with the football i'd go okay Uh we roster Cavante turpin pretty much exclusively for returns i think he should end with the ball and they started with him in space No blockers running like an eight-yard curl, and Jimmy Ward just took his head off. I'm so sorry. Like, it's this Niners defense, of all things. It was was watching them line it up and then watching the Niners take a timeout so we could all, like, sit down and get prepared for it. That was really the best part, which is being like, all right, this isn't even, like, weird. Like, we are locked in. What's going to happen next? And it was complete mess.
2: This... it's almost like I, I I have to talk about it because we just like need to engage in this kind of catharsis. But the that play, the last play, ah, uh, is going to overshadow so much mess, just so much mess from the Cowboys at the end of this game. Ah, uh, the Dak game-winning drive attempt just dropped pick six. Uh, misses a throw that could have been a big game. He has the long hold, the sack on third and ten. It's Dalton Schultz then when, they're, when yeah. they are they managed to get the ball back, just like uh, the cranium explodes. Uh, think, think,
0: think about all we needed to get that play. We needed Dalton Schultz not actually getting two feet down. We need Dalton Schultz clock running, going out of bounds. We needed Elijah Mitchell going out of bounds when he could have salted the game away for the Niners. Right. We needed Eric Armstead not getting the sack. We needed a Dre Greenlaw not getting the pick. So much happened that could have ended this game in the last four minutes that didn't happen such that we got hook and Satter, And how how appropriate for an end of this, this horribly coached game by both uh, Mike McCarthy and Kyle Shanahan.
1: It had to happen. It had to happen. And I really love, I, I'm not going to put it all on McCarthy because Kellen Moore is the offense coordinator, but I really love them watching the efficacy of curl routes all night long going, you know what? We need 80 yards in, in 10 seconds. Let's throw another curl route and see what happens. The same thing that happened on every curl route they threw, they were on on everything. And like I, I feel like Dak's going to get a lot of the blame, and he deserves it for some of those interceptions and some of those near interceptions. But, man, this this felt a lot like last year. The same problems with this offense against the same defense, and it, I don't I don't know how you go into the game with the same plan where you're just going to throw a, a million hitch routes against a, a linebacker core that is on everything and has been on everything for the last year and a half.
2: I need to know how much time they spent in practice this week coming up with that. I just need to know. I need to know what the genesis was. I need to know where they got the idea from. I need to know how many conversations led to, hey, if we get in a situation where we need 80 yards, one play, here's what we're going to do. By the way, we got to come up with all of our our two-point plays. We got to have twice as many two-point plays as as usual because the kicker can't kick extra points, apparently. But also, priority number one for this week is... But let's put Zeke at center play and then give it to Cavonte Turpin first. Just fantastic stuff. Just I, really I have, really
1: fantastic I have like the urge to, to blame Kellen Moore instead. And the reason why I, I have that urge <laughs> is because that's some boise state nonsense. i was
0: about to say that's some boise. That's some boise. That does not right work there.
1: against non-Oklahoma football team. Like, no, yeah. run a real play. Be serious.
0: Yeah, you gotta at the very least like get like the throw 30 yards down the field and then do the pitch and kind of like try to screw with it in the second level. You can't be doing this in the first level. Jimmy Ward's eyes are as big as saucers, baby. Jimmy Ward was closing down like there is no way. And there was, there was Jimmy Ward.
2: <laughs> I would like to give Kyle Shanahan truth serum right now. Uh, he was right. he was
0: he was snickering as he jogged off the sideline. Like he was giving a yeah. full Kyle grin. Yeah, he was feeling Yeah.
2: It. He knows. He knows. All right. Uh, as much as I would like to make it seem that way, the last two minutes of this game were not the only things that happened during the course of it. Uh, Steven, you mentioned Dak, who, though I agree with you, he doesn't deserve. There's a blame pie to go around here, but this was not Dak's finest hour. What did you see? You know, he has the, the two interceptions, could have had more. What did you think was going on with him in this game?
1: I, I honestly don't know. I, don't, I mean, compared to last week, it was just like a total 180 where right. he was missing like the most basic reads that reads that I've never seen him make like he couldn't read out like stick, for instance, he almost threw interceptions on stick multiple times. Yeah. So I don't know if it was like the 49er speed and he wasn't ready for it or, or he was just like a second behind. There was a latency issue, but that's just what it was. I just never seen him discombobulated in that way. And he picked the worst time to have his worst game. That was, that was almost worse than the Washington game.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like that, I, I, like, right before the, Fred, the Jimmy Ward into Fred Warner pick, I was mm-hmm. like, Dak's playing, like a, like, a pretty good game. Like, he's just, like, avoiding right. risk, and, like, the ball's out super quick, and they're really decisive, and they're just, like, getting the ball to athletes in space, like CeeDee Lamb in the swing, and Tony Pollard in the swing route, just, like, they're staying ahead of the sticks. They're not letting the Niners really tee off, and I'm like, this is great. And then Dak threw that pick, and it was just such a bad mistake in such an important moment, right? They're starting to get into the red zone. They have the ability to take the lead, right? You're going into halftime. Like, you, you've, you've right. had this nice methodical drive. You already had one earlier. scored a touchdown. Like, this is it. Like, this is the way we want to do it. And then from that moment, it just seemed like Dak never got back on tempo, right? He just never got back onto, like, right. they, they needed him to be such a quick point guard. They were really, like, they were very scared of the Niners' defense, right? Like, they were not pushing yeah. the ball down the field. They were not leaving Dak in the pocket for a prolonged period of time. They were not protecting with five when they could avoid it, right? Like, they, they were scared of this defense. And sure. it seemed like once Dak had that, like, the Gallup pick was like, all right, I thought you were going to come down. You didn't. Like, you know, you kind of get yeah. to the sideline, yeah. and you're like, all right, that's on me. No, that's on me. Okay, good, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of wash that one away pretty quick. Once he threw that one where, like, he tried to get to an underneath route late and got caught by Jimmy Ward squatting on it, he just... Like, he was firing too quick on ones he should have waited on. He was firing too late on ones he should have thrown quickly. He just never got back on tempo. And that was a frustrating thing to see happen with Dak. It was frustrating that Kellen Moore couldn't get him back in rhythm, which has been a problem for this Cowboys offense when they have these, like, Mm -hmm. three hot games and one super cold game. They can never get back on the horse. Like, they can never, like, settle it down in the middle of the game. But it's also a testament to this Niners defense, which just, like you know i don't want to like get into a whole like film versus analytics football heads thing but like when coaches talk about why playing this sort of defense is so difficult this is the thing that they cite they are so fast and they are so physical that once they get you you're seeing ghosts once they get you you're shaking in your boots like it is just a nightmare to have to say like all right we're gonna throw six yards curl routes and get our bells rung every single snap like the moment that stops working and you start getting picks you're just like you're, you're frozen it is a terrifying defense to play that doesn't even begin to get into when they got them into third and seven and they put nine dudes on the line of scrimmage and Talano Hufanga is like a peregrine falcon somewhere like they just this (laughs) this this defense is aggressive they are physical they are dangerous they are scary it is hard to get behind the sticks against these guys
1: there's a combination of that aggressiveness and tackling just tackling we're gonna talk about the game later but the Bills defense kind of wins in the same ways as, as the 49ers defense, just being fundamentally sound, being in the right place, just being smart about it. But you saw in that Bengals game, every tackle the Bengals were going forward, every tackle in this game, the 49ers were hitting. And that's what they've Dude. been doing all year. It's crazy. I, I, it's it's such a good defense. All 11 guys swarming to the ball every play. And then Fred Warner is just that play that he made on CeeDee Lamb.
2: I was going to say, the Bills have some okay linebackers, but I don't think any of them you want running yeah. in a foot race against CeeDee Lamb. Yeah, right.
1: That's another difference. He was on the other side of the center on the line of scrimmage, and CeeDee yeah. Lamb is running down the line. Lo- oh, my God. The gosh.
0: best linebackers in the league can make that play when they're lined up five yards off the ball at middle linebacker. Fred was lined up at pass rusher on the other side of the field. <laughs> what? No, you can't. Like, it's just—it's not like like Prescott saw that, and he was like, money like we're in scoring position and fred can just fly but like we talk about fred a lot we talk about like nick bosa a lot like diameter lenore is taking cd lamb and tony yeah. pollard down in space two yards past the line to sean gibson Deshaun sean gibson who was like a vet free agent jimmy ward got hurt in camp gibson's like flying downhill, making tackles behind the line of scrimmage. Dre Greenlaw was unbelievable in this game. Fifth-round pick out of Arkansas. Aziz Alshair stops at the line of scrimmage on third down. Undrafted free agent. Samson Ebelcom is the rusher outside of Nick opposite Nick Bosa. Gets a sack on third and 10 when they're seven points, seven points down in the fourth quarter. It's everybody, man. I mean, they are as deep and as physical and just like as harebrained, like just bananas, Shit like... Like D'Amico's got them like all on the same coding, man. You could just see like in their heads, like the light goes off at the same time. Like the big red alarm starts flashing, like go, go hit, hit, destroy, destroy, eat, 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 eat. eat." It's crazy. The way they play
1: next next gen stats does like the live dots during the playoff games. I highly recommend watching the 49ers defense on that. You just see like these dots just swarming to the football after every play. It's amazing.
2: (laughs) They're like little magnets. All right. Other side of the ball. Uh, Brock Purdy got a little bit more of a test here I think than than he did against the Cardinals, Raiders, Commanders, Seahawks, Bucks, right? The defenses that he he'd faced up to this point. Obviously they were able to to pull it out, but what is Stephen, your QB guy, give us the Purdy update after dealing with this Cowboys defense that obviously was able to get a lot of pressure.
1: I mean, I think you you still see why Maybe if he's not as talented, why he brings a little more to the offense than Jimmy G. I think there were a lot of Jimmy G type decisions and throws, but he got away with them. And like I've been saying all year, if you get away with like that dumb interception and you're the 49ers, you're they're gonna win the game. And that's what happened in this one. He almost threw a couple interceptions, he took some bad sacks. But if you can't capitalize on those mistakes, he's a player that's gonna continue to to make plays. I think that's the one thing that I will give him credit for is he, he doesn't get scared. Like he he plays. He he's not scared of the moment. He's not scared of making a mistake, which is very rare for a quarterback in his situation, being thrust into this situation where you're on a win now team, like a lot at stake. A lot of guys in that locker room that have accomplished a lot and have almost won a Super Bowl, and now they're banking on you as a as Mister Irrelevant. And he doesn't care. He's like, screw it. I'm sending it. I don't care. Uh, I'm relevant. Like. Yeah, I mean, it's a good approach. It's a noble approach. I do think it's going to come to, back to bite them at the worst possible moment. It almost did in this game. The Eagles, like I could see it happening in the Eagles game. So I'm kind of worried seeing them go up against this defense where the defensive line played so well and, and Dan Quinn's defense played so well. I don't want to take anything away from them. Yeah. I think they deserve yeah. all their flowers. Uh, but I could see the Eagles like giving him the same problems and maybe they're more op- opportunistic.
0: Yeah, I'll be very curious to see what the Eagles' defense is able to do because the Eagles and the Cowboys are both pretty static, right? They're both pretty line up and play yeah. in terms of their defense stuff. They don't, they don't like change the picture a lot post snap. And it's like, okay, well, you want to screw with a rookie quarterback? Maybe you change the picture. Changing the picture against the Niners' offense is extremely difficult. It's really hard to do independent of who's playing quarterback. The reason is because they run so much like motion reverse. Switch to the outside screen, like everything. Like if you're trying to like rotate guys, and you accidentally get caught rotating away from the Debo Samuel screen, it's a forty-yard touchdown. Like it's like right. it's very dangerous to to be like a, a chaos-oriented defense against an offense that motions this much and then finds so many plays into the boundary out of the backfield. Right. So okay, being static against the Niners actually isn't a bad thing. It helps, even though you can't really screw around with Purdy. Okay, well, then how are you going to get the surprise plays? How are you going to get the, the, the interceptions? Well, you got to really key in on tendency, right? You have to know what's going to break, and you have to know how it's going to break. Like the, the Seahawks had a couple opportunities on, on interceptions because they were uh, attacking those weak side slants that Kyle likes to run on third down, right? You saw the, the, the game salting drive, they kicked a field goal at the end. They ran a little third down slant uh, to Brandon Ayuk, a little third down slant to Christian McCaffrey, and, and the Seahawks were getting on top of those and almost got some picks but they couldn't bring it in. So if you, if you get in on a tendency, if you're able to jump around, you have to secure the play because in general, Kyle's going to be ahead of your defensive coordinator, right? He's just, mm-hmm. he's gonna, it, it, it's Kyle Shannon. He's been doing it for five years. You're not going to win that. So when you get your opportunities, you have to secure. And then if you're going to play kind of static football and they're going to get their underneath stuff and they're going to get their slants, gets off coverage and whatever, now you have to tackle. And that's like, like see was bringing up. It seems like every year we spend 18 weeks in the regular season talking about schemes and about coverages and drop this and blitz that and rotate this and play action and motion this and go this way and go that way. And then we get to January and we go, wow, the teams that tackled better one. <laughs> it's what the Niners are built for. It's what IU plus Kittle plus Debo plus McCaffrey plus Elijah Mitchell plus Kyle Yushuk is all about. It's about saying we think we're more physical than you on offense with our skill position players. So if we can just get the ball to them, they're going to handle the dirty yardage. And that's going to be a huge question mark for the Eagles who are a really, really, really light defense, right? Like right. the Cowboys had in their secondary J Ron curse and Israel Mukwamu and Travon Diggs, big guys, right? they had Leighton in Vander Esch and Anthony Barr. They're stopping power. They were making tackles. You know, lost George Kittle a couple times, but so he's going to get you, whatever the Eagles are much smaller. And so if you can't take advantage of those moments where you beat Shanahan, and he's just kind of dinking and dunking and Purdy's getting the, 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 the screens off and the reverses off and the pitches off. And you can't tackle? Long day. Long day in the office.
1: I have to rewatch the, uh, the Christian McCaffrey third down conversion. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty like that was a good call by, by Quinn. I think they were in like cover one robber and Wilson was supposed to fall off after the, the first inbreaker was overtaken by the the free defender and he fell down same exact call that he had in Super Bowl in the Super Bowl against Brady when they had the pick six right before the half that's like playoff football man it comes down to just being able to keep your feet sometimes
2: yeah mm. i am a little sad that we don't get to watch eagles fans and cowboys fans yell at each other for a week straight but this is going to be a great you NFC think because the cowboys matchup. lost eagles fans and cowboys fans aren't going to yell at each other for a week straight all right that's a fair point that's a yeah. fair point Ben. And, uh,
1: and also let me introduce you to the 49ers fan base yeah <laughs> They right, are you the guys Cowboys. cheered They're me right up. West Coast Cowboys. Right
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, this uh, This wasn't the best offensive day for Birdie. It wasn't the best offensive day for Kyle. I think if you're the Niners right now and you see the way that the, the Cowboys took advantage of your interior front, and now you're looking at uh, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave and Ndamukong Sue and Linval Joseph and Milton Williams and Jordan Davis all coming <laughs> to town, you're worried, right? Like, that's, that's the number one thing you got to solve. If the Eagles are going to beat the Niners, they are going to need a dominant game from a defensive line that had 15 more sacks than the second closest defensive line yeah. in the season, like it is it, it, on both sides of the ball, it's strength, strength. Like this is a tr- this is a trenches game. Yes, Debo, are you Kittle, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, McCaffrey, Goddard. Don't get me wrong, this is a trenches game. Eagles have to watch this Cowboys film and say, man, we're, we're if we can kick their butts up front. way dallas did and then just hold on to the football a little bit better a little bit longer not get stuck in that elijah mitchell driver they're just leaning on you and sitting on you if we can do that we can beat this team all about the trenches in this one
2: yeah it's funny i remember being out in in, um san francisco during training camp and uh, you could tell that that the coaches there kind of knew that they had a good good thing going Uh, a lot of faith in the defense um but I remember talking to people and, and the thing that would just come up is, look, if there's a if there's a there's a great roster, if there's a weakness here, it's interior offensive line. And it just hasn't really bitten them all that much getting to this point. But it, it's just funny to think that could still be the thing. Um, and, you know, it's only only two teams that can go to the Super Bowl. So they've they've made it plenty far up till this point but there's still a chance for that to to come into play and philly's a team that you would think that it would have a good shot at doing that against uh all right have we missed anything from this game should we talk about mike mccarthy a little bit
0: about to say can we do a quick cowboys moratorium autopsy whatever Mm -hmm. the word here is Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean cowboys run it back they got you know the pollard is, is the big free agent offensively right i guess dalton schultz as well uh Big Frasian offensively. Defensively, they run back largely uh, the same group. They got to worry about the Leighton Van Der Esch contract, but I don't think LB was like a super impact player for them. So otherwise, like, you' are going to bring back the whole group. Now, I think Dak's a good quarterback. I think Dak's like a, a tier two quarterback in the NFL. I mean, Dak played largely great ball this season. High interception numbers, threw into a lot of tight windows. But I think Dak's largely a good quarterback. So You got a good quarterback and you got a great roster. If, if we do McCarthy, Kellen Moore again... Uh it's insanity. It's expecting the same result, right? Like I can yeah. I'll I'll get why they did it, but it's I it's very difficult to imagine them in an NFC that's got the Niners and it's got the Eagles taking a step next year that they didn't already take with this nucleus. That's not even including what I think would be a likelihood, which is that Dan Quinn's leaving for a head coaching job now that the season is over. Uh right. and Quinn does really nice work with that defense and I'm not positive that another guy would step in and have them Top five in DVOA and back-to-back years the way that Quinn has. I don't know what to Just do. Say it,
1: Ben. Say what you want to say.
0: I, but I really don't like. I, I like. I think they should fire McCarthy, and I think they should find and a new head coach. But it, it's tough. Like they gotta have the guy. And if that guy,
1: if if the guy might be in the building already,
0: is it that tough? You say you say promote Quinn. Yeah. Promote Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. I would mind... like
1: beyond beyond the offensive stuff, which I think is what you're getting at. Another disaster game management for mike oh mccarthy goodness. like yeah. that which kind of low-key covered up
2: i mean we didn't even talk kyle about, the, too. about punting
1: yeah punting on yeah the punts were were crazy like kyle had his self a, a, a roller coaster too that <laughs> i think is going to be overshadowed but yeah not a good showing by those two coaches
0: right i like if they if they if they, if they fire mccarthy and promote quinn i think like at worst, that's neutral. There's a chance that that's better because the in-game management. I'll give you that one. I wasn't really barking up that tree, but that makes sense. the The name that I was kind of circling the, the uh, circling around was Sean Payton,
2: right? And that's, that's where, I... I, like,
0: yeah, that's where. If you go Sean, I can kind of talk myself into the team taking it another step because Payton's a really good coach. Uh, you don't have a first-round pick now, <laughs> and that's uh, that's going to be an interesting interesting uh, situation to handle. But is the count Cowboys- coming with them. No,
1: because Champagne without Dennis Allen had a had a, quite a decade in the woods there.
0: Yeah, it's um, that, but that that that's the salient point of this conversation. It's like the Cowboys should look into an improvement in their coaching staff. I'm not sure it's easy to find. Like, I, I don't right. I, I don't think there's a there's a lights out decision here. And that puts Dallas in, in, in a tricky spot. They really have to find a way to start winning in the margins. And like, man, it would have been nice if they kind of like figured out Pollard a couple years ago before he had free agency, wouldn't it? You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's. Would have been nice if they figured out the Amari contract situation instead of kind of letting that reach the head that it did. It feels like they they yeah. wasted a little bit of time, and now that now they're past the curve.
2: Well, so just just to that last point, I mean, I, I'm I agree with you. I think if we're talking about how this team, how we can talk ourselves into this team taking a step next year, it, to me, first and foremost, it has to do with co- coaching. I also look at I you know I look at the game um the game box a little bit here and. 10 targets to CeeDee Lamb, or 13 to CeeDee, 10 to Dalton Schultz. So 23 out of 37 uh, passes for Dak Prescott going to those two guys. That's been a problem. They need somebody else. You need a little bit more help there. Michael
0: Gallup's making $14 million this year. Did
1: the the Gallup extension happen... Our contract, whatever it was, did it happen this offseason or last offseason?
0: It happened previously, and it was yeah. before his injury. If memory serves me, don't quote me on that. I suppose it's a podcast, so I'm definitely being that quoted is on right that. That's right as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say that Gallup's, they they have an out after the 2023 season, right? He's he's 19 million dead cap, 14 million dollar hit in 2023. After that, six million dead cap. So like I don't like I like Gallup a lot pre-injury. I think it's very clear he has not gotten athletically back to where he was post injury and he's not nearly the same player and they mishandled that amari situation but yeah that's like again like talk about like things the cowboys need to handle things the cowboys need to be realistic about they flirted with odell Beckham jr for 14 weeks before signing ty hilton they drafted jalen tolbert in the third round and never got him on the field like they so much of like what needed to happen and what maybe still needs to happen in the mccarthy Moore era is improvement in the margins and they just don't do that. They continue to be like, Dak, solve the whole offense for us on the field. Defense, win with pass rush. If it came with pass rush, we don't know what to do. Like, there's just... that they, they. If you're going to be a championship team, you got to do little stuff really well. And they don't do that. They're always overlooking the little stuff.
2: And that is like, I think that the diagnosis of that problem infects so many layers of this organization because it's how, they, it's how they play the game. It's also how they think about roster construction, right? Like, just because... I think it's something about Jerry and the star and being Dallas and being the Cowboys. When you need something else, a little injection of something in the receiving room. The thought is, okay, can we get Odell Beckham? And can we flirt with that for week after week after week? It just seems like the instinct is, is less. And now at a certain point that's easier to do right. Than like have a player develop in the blink of an eye. That's, that's not possible but it just seems like that's a, an easier instinct for them than we got to draft and develop some guys. It's not to say that they haven't done that. I mean, this defense is, is a testament to them doing that, but at certain, in certain areas, it just doesn't seem like a part of their DNA. And I do think that that has to do with coaching, but I also think that there's just a little bit of cowboys that contributes to that
1: my here's my pitch for Dan Quinn. That man knows how to hire an OC. He hired Kyle Shanahan and then he hired Sark who like, okay, things aren't going well at Texas, but Sarkisian is a very, very yeah, good, offensive a good offensive coordinator. Coach, yeah. And those are two, like, obviously Kyle wasn't an out of the box hire, but Kyle's like, his stock was low after that Brown stint, And then after yeah. how things ended in Washington, it wasn't like a no brainer hire. And after year one, people were calling for Kyle to be fired and he stuck with them. And then we got one of the best seasons ever from an offense and then finding Sark and kind of keeping that offense afloat after Kyle left. Like I would not, I, I would, I think going with Quinn is the best thing for this team because you want to keep the defense intact because that's like the strength of your team right now. And then you just, you got to give Dak something else because Dak as good as Dak is. And I love Dak. They put too much on his plate and he's not Tom Brady. And it's hard to run that style of offense if you're not Tom Brady or like you're not Joe Burrow and you have all these guys that make it a little easier, make it a little harder for defenses to do the types of things that team, that defenses do to the Cowboys where they're like just jumping on routes and they're on all that short stuff.
2: Totally. All right. Should we get to Bills Bengals? Yeah.
1: If you've been watching the NFL playoffs from the sidelines, there's still time to get in the game with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers bet this Sunday's conference championships games with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up with promo code RINGERNFL. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. My favorite bet for next Sunday would be the Bengals minus one and a half over the Chiefs. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose with promo code Ringer, NFL. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in select states. First online, real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. One eight hundred next step protects next step to five three three. In Arizona, 1 888 789 7777, or visit ccpgorg chat in Connecticut, 1 800 9 with it in Indiana, 1 800 522 4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1 877 770 stop in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1 8 hope and wire text hope and Y to 467 369, 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming, or visit
2: All right, Ben, where do you want to start with this one? Obviously, Cincinnati goes into Buffalo snow game. They win 27 to 10. Uh, Buffalo, I think, struggled on on both sides of the ball, sort of a tough performance for them. But where do you want to start with this one?
0: I just think the the Bengals are so the Bengals are so much better right now than they were when they were here last year. And that's really cool. Like, I think like like. This team is absolutely improved. The The fact that Joe Burrow is playing behind three backup offensive linemen and isn't taking nine sacks like he did against the Titans, isn't throwing interceptions like huge. Like he's, he's found a way to play more risk averse football. The fact that they've got, uh, you know, they, they, they switch out CJ Uzoma for Hayden Hurst and like Hayden Hurst just like, what's it? One year, $3 million and just like extremely solid player for them. Like just easy personnel move and go. And like we talk about their, uh, like they got their backup offensive linemen. Like, oh, they tried to retool this offensive line and, like, Kappa goes down and Leo Collins goes down. They also got Max Sharping this year with the point of saying, like, we need to be better in the 2D. Max Sharping played right guard and, like, played fine in this game. The fact that mm-hmm. they're running game, which has been, like, so much of an experimentation, so much of, like, oh, they got it better for three weeks with the RPOs, but then, like, teams caught up to the RPOs. They had to run a little bit more under center stuff. And, like, once, like, once every week, the Bengals will have, like, one random run play where they run, like, Way you're like sick. Like I don't know, you guys could do that, but they only do it for one play. They have like all these one offs in the running game, and it's like, all right, this isn't sustainable. Like this isn't a real running game. But yet, they keep on figuring it out. Like Joe Mixon played himself such a tough game. So like yeah. offensively, they've improved a lot. They're so much more legitimate, so much more reliable of an offensive team than they were at this time last year. Where it was a lot of like, all right, well, if Jamar Chase breaks the tackle on the boundary, he's going to score. If T Higgins, you know, stiff arms Jalen Ramsey. On the the go ball, he's going to score in the Super Bowl. Like like a lot of the Bengals wins last year, and offensive drives were so fragile. They were so explosive or bust. And this year, they're so much more methodical. And to me, that's a huge testament to an improving and maturing team. And that doesn't even get into freaking Big Lou in the defense, man. I mean, it's <laughs> just it to not have a head coach interview for Lou and Arumu and Anur- Arumo. On his schedule. Big Lou. Big Lou. It's Big Lou. Lou. Uh, You know what?
2: Big Lou was big today. I'll give him Big Lou. He's Big Lou. I
0: watched the entire game with my mom on FaceTime. And every time, like, like first and 10, Bengals get, like, a two-yard stop on a running play. my mom was like, that's Big Lou. And I was like, it is, Ma. That's it. That's him. That's Big Lou. (laughs) Um,
2: That's so wholesome.
0: I, I, I had this moment watching this Bengals game where I was like, Oh, yeah, like Joseph Osai, like back from injury, like he's got like he's he's rushing the pass. But like Zach Carter's been such a nice run stopping, like big end for them. Like Oh, Cam Taylor Britt stepped down against the run. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, why are all of the Bengals defensive players just really like, like good at what they do? And then I realized it's because they're all in the correct role for their skill set all of the time. That's insane. Like how many players in the league Coach do we watch get used on offense and defense to go, well, like don't use him like that. Like that's dumb. Right. Like he's not going to be good at this. And Lou just, every, 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 like they get their little Mike Hilton on the field and get Von Bell down against the linebacker and get Jermaine Pratt in the gap, and get Trey Hendrickson, snap jumping and get DJ reader in the run defense. Like every, the, 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 the three man rush Trey Hendrickson sack is just obnoxious defensive coordinating. <laughs> you can rush three down and get a sack within three seconds of the snap because you've just built this defense to stop elite quarterbacks and to stop flex tight ends and to stop the end everything. And they just like, they, Lou just gets it, man. And, and they are, I, I I, love this Bengals team. It, they're so much more real, so much more substantive than last year's Bengals team. And that like the fact that they're making a run again is just cool. Like I, I thought it was going to be kind of annoying. Yeah. Because I was like, are oh, they're no, back. And, like everybody's fun. like, oh, Joe Burrow, and everything. No, it's just sick. Like, because we've done two years of it now, there's so much more visibility on the non-Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase pieces of it. And that to me is great. Like that That's awesome. This Bengals team is so well-constructed. Hats off to Duke Tobin, who runs their personnel group. Hats off to Lou Anarumo. Hats off to Brian Callahan. Hats off to Zach Taylor. Still not entirely sure what he does, but he's got to be doing something right. Go Bengals.
2: I want to talk a little bit more about, about Big Lou and the defense because we're going to talk about this matchup with the Chiefs. But just going back, because I think the story of this game going into it was since he's down three starting offensive linemen and you're just thinking, okay, how are they going to get by in this game? Not only was it just not really a problem, they kind of dominated up front. Uh, I think they had 85 yards before contact allowed by the bills uh, bills defense, which had allowed the fewest such yards during the regular season on a per carry basis. Buffalo got very little pressure, pressured Burrow 21.6% of the time, according to true media, Burrow's getting a ball out in 2.5 seconds they lose Ted Karras for a a bit in this and he has to come back in with a knee brace just didn't matter. It just, it it just didn't matter. And it it got me thinking, I mean, I think a lot of that is a credit to the Bengals, what they were able to do, how this offense has developed, how smart Burrow is at just managing a game. But Steven, I, I know you've been such a big fan of how the Ravens defense has played Cincinnati and played them in the wild card round. And I was a little bit surprised. And I know this Bill's defense that, you know, they line up and they do what they do. But I was surprised that it didn't seem like they were making much of an effort to disguise things defensively for Burrow because they just didn't do anything to make him wait a second and slow down his processing.
1: No, not at all. And he's,
2: he's Joe Burrow if you don't change the picture enough to make him think about it a little bit, of course he's going to get the ball out in two and a half seconds with every throw.
1: He's too good. Jamar chase is too good. T Higgins is too like all these players are too good to, to play that type of defense. And like you had a blueprint laid out and they did nothing that Baltimore did nothing. They played the same thing. They always do. It was amazing to watch.
2: They don't, you know, it's not the same personnel. Obviously it's not like you can just copy and paste the Ravens game plan, if you could, everybody would do it. But I am such a big fan of this Bill's coaching staff. And by the way, that doesn't change with this. But man, I, I, I was a little disappointed in that just because it, w- it was yeah. there for the taking and it didn't seem like they even it, really right. gave it much of an effort.
0: It reminds me of when they played the Dolphins in that primetime game after the Dolphins played the Chargers and the Niners and had such trouble with those teams. And the Bills just kind of were like, well, we're going to run our stuff. And they they did, and they played like about as well as they did in the first game. Got a couple of luckier bounces, and they beat the Dolphins. It's Like, okay, great, but like, why did you just run your stuff? Because there's yeah. there's stuff that like you can run that we know you can run, and, and and you got it in the book, and like it was working really well these last couple weeks. Like, well, let's get a corner on the inside of these Dolphins receivers, right? For 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 going up against this Bengals team, and like if you're gonna say, all right, like they got they're down three offensive linemen, like our pass rush can win. Then the number one question I've got in the in the meeting room Monday morning is how do we make Burrow hold onto the ball for more than two and a half seconds, right? How are we going to make this a high A dot high time to throw game for Joe Burrow? And Joe Burrow had a six point five A dot. I haven't seen his time to throw, but certainly felt like it was like you know two point three, like it was a low low A dot game. Two point five, yeah, two point five. There you go, right? Like it's they didn't solve the problem, and so they let Burrow beat them the way Burrow wanted to beat them. No, no, they did the opposite of
1: of making Burrow hold the ball. They presented him pre snap looks that made it easy to get the ball out. And then they didn't take the space way. They presented space. They did the opposite of what Mike McDonald did. They presented space pre-snap and then did not take it away post-snap. They're like, here you go. You have a slant to Jamar chase on third and seven. Cause we're playing, we're in a cover zero look. And guess what? We're going to show you a cover zero look before the snap. You cannot give Joe Burrow, the answers to the test before he takes it. That is a death sentence. Bro- like
2: it, it, he is not Joe Burrow. Doesn't have Josh Allen's physical traits. Joe Burrow doesn't have Josh Allen's arm. Like what he has is an incredible processor and you have to give him a challenge in processing. And they just, I I, I'm, I'm you're right to bring up that dolphins game because I do think, and again, I believe in this coaching staff. I think they're, they're among the, you know, upper echelon in the league, but I do think that a problem that they have exhibited in multiple high profile spots is just a little bit of an overcommitment to we do what we do. Yeah. And that works for them a lot of the time, but it's dial it back a little bit. That's all. It's a,
1: it's a regular season defense. Let's just call it what it is. Ouch. It's a regular season defense. But, and we, like, they do like, not have a game plan defense. They don't yeah. like I, I, you're saying like you, you have all the faith in the world in this bill's coaching staff. And I had it coming into this year. Like, Sean McDermott got him off the ground. I do not think he can land this plane. I think he's another Ron Rivera. This is what Ron Rivera did in Carolina. He's a Ron Rivera disciple. They have a Ron, uh, they have a Panthers uh front office. I know this team. I know how this yeah. team operates, man. This is what I saw in Carolina it's every year when Ron Rivera, Rivera got Stevens to be. Steven's right, That was <laughs> wrong. Yeah, Steven, you're like, Who I hurt know you? this team. I don't team. hurt you. Who was their defensive coordinator all those years? Same guy that's that's yeah. the coach of the Bills right now.
0: So uh Right, I, I want to talk about the other half of this, right? So, Bills are a lineup and play team. There are other teams in the league who are pretty lineup and play. Eagles are the first one that comes to mind. Eagles run out on right. defense every week and run the exact same stuff. They, they never game plan nothing. And sometimes that means that Dak Prescott drops 40 on them and they're like, oh darn, like we didn't know that they were going to run seams. Ah, like, you know, it's just like, come on guys. Nobody forever, told right? us. Yeah, now what do the Eagles have? The Eagles got all pro corners. Uh, all-pro all pass rusher, and Johnson Garner-Johnson, yeah, Javon Hargrave, and you know, I got some talent.
2: What is the this Bills? thing you're doing with your voice right now?
0: I, just, I, I, I'm enjoying, I like it. I like I'm, it. Enjoying, yeah, it I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's soothing.
2: It's I know. I know. List,
0: I, list I started, more players.
2: Yeah. Johnson <laughs> Garner-Johnson.
0: Well, Josh Sweat.
2: What are we going to say? All right.
0: Listen, <laughs> the most important thing is this. The Eagles have brought a lot of talent into the building successfully. It's like, you know, not so much two years ago, but over the past couple of years, they've done a great job of that. The Bills have had trouble getting talent into the building, right? Like, who were the impact players of the Bills 2020 playoff run? They were Tredavious White and, and, and Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Matt Milano. And it's just all those guys are just trying to do it again two years later. And you're getting Tremaine Edmonds in coverage issues, which is the same thing you had two years ago. And you've got corner twos getting picked off by playoff teams, which is the same issue you had two years ago and you're getting our pass rush can't get home against the elite quarterbacks, which is the same issue you had the last two years, right? And you go and you look at like resources spent. They spent a first round pick on Gregory Rousseau. They spent a, a second round pick on AJ Epinesa. They spent a second round pick on Boogie Basham. They spent a first round pick on Ed Oliver. They spent free agent contracts on Vernon Butler, on on, on Quentin Jefferson, on Daquan Jones, on on, on uh, uh, Mario Addison, and on Von Miller. And obviously Vaughn doesn't play in this game, but like, what's the what product, have you got right? To like they, they line up and play, like a team that has elite talent, and since 2019, they haven't drafted a Pro Bowler. Four drafts. And, like, the Pro Bowl is just like a, like a general barometer, right? Like, like, it's not a very good descriptor. But overall, like, you look like in first three rounds, they're pulling Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and Dawson Knox and, like, like guys who, like, are rosterable. But it's not enough, right? Like, like look at how they're they manage receivers. Papers. Right, look how they manage receiver. Like, all right, Emmanuel Sanders out of the building. John Brown's out of the building. Cole Beasley's out of the building. Well, we believe in Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie. And, like, over the course of the season, those guys weren't enough. And so they have, a, they have a lineup and play problem. Like, the coaching staff is responsible for getting the guys on the field in, in, in an impactful position in Week 18, in Week 19, Week 20. you got to win a football by, by game planning it up. They also have, like, you know, like, Brandon Bean's got a lot of flowers, the, the Diggs trade, developing Allen. Like, a lot of that's been great. But in general, like, the Bills have had a little bit of a talent uh, uh, flow problem over the last few years. That's why this lineup and play thing gets them to January and then gets them no further.
1: Marty Herney Disciple, <laughs> former Panthers, former failed, two-time failed Panthers GM somehow. That's all. I'll leave it at that.
2: It is Sunday, January 22nd, the second day of, of Divisional Weekend. Steven is trying to change this into a Panthers podcast. I, I have I'm nothing to respect pounding. for it. That's to say, I'm going to keep pounding. <laughs> I Sorry,
0: hate the fact that you just got to keep pounding so flawlessly in. Go birds.
2: All right. Uh, Bengals-Chiefs-AFC championship game. Wait, wait, and... wait, wait.
1: Can we talk about Josh Allen? We have to talk about oh, Josh yeah, Allen. Yeah, oh, we cannot okay. not talk about Josh Allen. That man stopped playing the quarterback position like a month and a half ago and hasn't <laughs> played it for the last... Like, you... Stephon Diggs was very frustrated on the sideline. And yeah. I, I got to tell you, like, watching them on film over the last three weeks, it's not just Stephon Diggs. There are like five times a game. There are receivers that are standing open that are throwing their hands up and Josh Allen is throwing it to Cole Beasley because he's friends with him. Like he's he hasn't played well. His eyes have been terrible. He was. T- I have to watch the all twenty st- two to like really see what was going on downfield. But man, he's just running into pressure. He's dropping his eyes. How many times did he pull the ball on an RPO and then end up running yeah. himself? It happened like four times. You can't do that. That's not what an RPO is supposed to be. You are not the R in that situation. The <laughs> running
0: back is. You are not the R. There
2: we go. That's fair. <laughs> you know what you are going for. Glad to be a servant. Glad to help you out there, Ben. Yeah, is I mean, uh, Stephen. I think you and I talked about this with with um, Bill last week, but the dropping his eyes is is really evident. It it does seem like again, like, and a lot of that should be on Josh Allen. It is on Josh Allen. There is a piece, and we've talked about this before some of that does come back to, I wonder what the coaching situation is. I wonder because it does seem like this stuff has, has crept up at the end of the season and might be whether it's a product of the treatment he got after last playoffs, that chiefs game, the sort of like anointing of Here's epic folk hero Josh Allen status, whether it's coming out of, you know, that post-injury sort of lull they had and just feeling like he had to put the whole team on his shoulders. Some of that stuff, only Josh Allen can fix it, and he's gotta make better decisions and he's making a lot of bad ones. But you also wonder who's talking to him about it. And I do think that again, I will say for the ninth time this this um podcast. I think this is a well above average coaching staff, but I have a list of questions about how they're handling stuff. And and that is certainly up there um, because he did not have a good game and he doesn't look, you know, he's never been a, a quarterback known for his poise before other things, but he just looks a little head cut off out there. And we saw At the very beginning of the season, this year started. And now, okay, maybe we know a little bit more about the Rams than we did at this point. But this year started with Josh Allen executing like precision offense.
0: Yeah.
2: And that should be the goal, right? Like that's what that's what they're going for. But but they're not there right now. Ken Dorsey has gotten a lot of blame and
1: I've been like a, a, a very loud defender of him. But here's here's my question to people criticizing him. They don't have an offensive line so they can't run the ball. The offensive line also can't protect. Josh Allen after the elbow injury was the most or was the least accurate quarterback in the NFL on short throws. I don't know how you build a consistent down to down offense with all of those things I just said. And somehow they finish second in every relevant metric
0: in right. offense. Well, it's because he's such a ludicrously Accurate downfield thrower, right? Right. Like he, like he was third in the league this year before this game in inaccurate throw rate downfield. Right. It's like the third most accurate. But if I, if you have that guy, what you want to build is heavy personnel so that we can run and and keep the short game going that way, and then shoot, right? And then we can use him on downfield shots. We can keep him high A dot, right? The Bills are like super spreader, and so they walk out on first and ten, and it's like, okay, we want to, we want to get up, we want to get. Hey, we want to get to second and five and it's like all right well we don't really like running stick with our personnel with our quarterback right and that that to me is the issue like the bills have, have just really 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 sold out on being like extremely spread oriented and i think it was a big part of like getting josh's brain right at the nfl level like getting his vision right and his understanding of space but like if you put me in charge of the bills tomorrow the first thing i do is get like whatever mercedes lewis i could get into the building I would like, you know, I was like, let's go get Chris Mannerts and let's like have a a sixth guy that we can add who we can move around and we can put him in the backfield, put him on either side. And he could be an impact blocker. Let's be able to go under center. Let's have more diversity to our early-down games. That way we don't need Allen to be a precision passer five yards past the line of scrimmage. It's just not where he's built.
1: That's what they had go at, at like the first month and a half of the season. Like, that's one of the reasons why I, I thought Dorsey was doing such a great job, is they found ways to diversify the offense. They were under center, they were personnel groups. Like right. Kevin Clark for the ringer wrote a piece about how that was the goal this season to have more personnel groups, more, buttons. Well, I've never push. heard of
0: Kevin Clark. He's never been on this feed. And <laughs> seen, I don't know about him. Do you
2: follow him Must on Twitter? Kevin. <laughs>
0: Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Ringer NFL writers don't follow Ringer NFL writers as much as I thought. <laughs> I have
2: no comment on this.
1: <laughs> yeah. But at some, at some point during the season, like something switched with the offense yeah. where like they stopped running as much quick game. They were top 10 in, in terms of usage and quick game. And then after the elbow injury, it went way down. And like, you have to think that that injury affected the offense more than maybe is being reported. Cause there was a fundamental shift in how they called the game after that injury. And I think there was a fundamental shift in how Allen approached the game. Cause like you, like you said, that first month, like he was, he was that quarterback. He was the precise right. he quarterback. Was exactly he was getting who They the, wanted him to be. Yep. That first game against the Rams. Holy like, massive, I was dude. like, holy shit. Like, if this is what yeah. this guy's going to be, it's, it's over. And not like, even in my quarterback rankings, I had him at number one in like late September because he was playing like that every single week. And then all of a sudden just went away.
0: This is the number one thing that like, we had to, we got to round up the bills, beat writers. We know I had Catherine Fitzgerald back on the pod and be like, find out what happened, like who there was some like week nine fight between Ken Dorsey and Josh Allen, the Josh <laughs> Allen won and the offense devolved. Right. But it, it, it really, like, it's important because I think because Allen had such a strong end to last year and such a strong start to this year, there was the belief that, like, Allen, who has already improved so much over the course of his career, had improved again, and now he was the guy. He was on Mahomes's tier, and that was true until, like, early October, and then it just simply wasn't afterward, and the Bills, like Stephen said, still remained, like, second EPA, second in, in DVOA, and whatever, but, like, here we got to right. January, and this offense was just a mess. Allen's, I wrote this last week, Allen's rolling average. So the average of his last 10 games by EPA per dropback, is the lowest right now that it's been the last three years of his career. So like in terms of just like one catch all metric, this is about as bad as Allen's played since 2020. And the That's context to that
1: is you put in your article, you put the route maps, like not where he's throwing the ball, where the receivers are running the routes. And it's identical to last year.
0: Steven's so, calling that out because when I was writing the article, he told me, yo, you should include the route maps. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And then he did it.
1: Teamwork. We didn't have to say that, but, but I yeah, I, I, I feel out. like I didn't even know if that was the case, though. I was just like, you should look into it. And then it turned mm-hmm. out like, yes, we're running the same routes out. and this yeah. guy's just throwing it deep.
2: All right. Well, Catherine Fitzgerald, get on it. Tell us what <laughs> happened. Figure on it out. Case. Catherine, go Shout flick out Josh She's Allen's
1: elbow and see how he reacts. That's all I want. Just do that.
2: Catherine, do whatever you want. You're the best. Uh, okay. We're going to have tons of time to talk about the AFC championship game this coming week, but Benjamin, Bengals Chiefs, who wins?
0: I think the Chiefs win. And I think the Chiefs honestly win, not comfortably, uh, but I think that the Chiefs are very, I don't think Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes are going to go down 4-0 to a team, even with ankle injuries considered, even with how sight sighted by this Bengals defense. I think with the way last season ended i think a big part of the chiefs offseason was okay if we catch this team again and they play us this way again what do we want to do and that that uh uh that game that they played in the regular season this year right great game from the Bengals, but i think there's a lot more the chiefs can bring to the table offensively uh and and i think the some of the reason behind like the Kadarius tony uh signing and the jerick mckinnon usage is about that it's about like what can we get line of scrimmage yards up to catch stuff like that i think the chiefs will beat the Bengals because i think it's really hard i don't want to say it's really hard to beat a team four times in a row because we've been doing that all week with like all the division <laughs> recaps but i think that's really hard to beat mahomes four times in a row
1: before saturday or before whenever he hurt his ankle i would have picked the chiefs i'm picking the Bengals. i think this is a team like the, i think the reason why they give these elite team so many problems is they're the one team and I know they haven't done it as much this year but they're the one team that's comfortable in the passing game working outside of the numbers so much of like the last three years of NFL defense has been taking away the middle of the field Joe Burrow doesn't throw those routes anyway like Joe Burrow doesn't really (laughs) throw the deep middle routes he throws outside the numbers so I, I feel like they just match up and when you talk about the Chiefs weaknesses although I do think they're getting better at corner than they have as the year has gone on that's always been the weakness of this defense they got some liabilities on the outside so they play a lot of two highs and like to Ben's point I went back and watched that that Bengals Chiefs game this week like Mahomes did not play well he left a lot of meat on the bone there were open guys and he just wasn't throwing to him it was was a bad Mahomes game to be honest and I could see him being better this time around but that ankle scares me because I feel like you have to move Lou is going to make him have to move and have to extend the play
0: yeah the ankle makes me even more positive the Chiefs are going to win. That's all we're going to talk about all week. And the, after the first drive, Mahomes is going to make us feel like there's the biggest idiot. I think I think it's Mahomes and the Chiefs.
1: I was kind of saying the same stuff before the Bucks Super Bowl. And then, like, that ankle mattered. I, I know the, the Chiefs defense, or offensive line, obviously, like, imploded. And there, there was a bunch of injuries. But Mahomes, even that off, it seems like every playoff, this guy has an ankle injury. I swear it's happened at least three times.
2: I also think, okay, I think Cincinnati has the better game plan defensive coordinator. But I think Spags is gonna have some ideas. It's not gonna be quite so static. He's he's gonna come up with some some nonsense.
1: At least Daniel Sorensen isn't on the on the roster anymore. So like Spags can't put him on the field. That's a that's a positive.
2: All right. On that note, this has been the Ringer NFL recap show. I'm Nora Princiati. They are Steven Ruiz and Benjamin Solak. We will be back. Uh Ben, you and Sheila have extra point taken coming on Monday. A Little different schedule this week.
0: Yeah, we got Extra Point Taken coming Monday where we're just going to talk about the same things that happened but in a different way. And then we got the Philly, yeah, the Philly special still going. I got to like, leave this recording and go hop in that recording and talk about Eagles Niners now that we know the opponent. So it's a good week to be a uh, Ringer NFL Eagles podcaster, Moonlighter, Go Birds situation. Get to work, Absolutely. podcast boy. <laughs> hey, uh listen there uh i bet my avatar every week even though i continue to lose boy if you have any ideas for steven's avatar this week hit me up on twitter at benjamin Solak, because steven bet on the cowboys to cover
1: they should have covered man they should have (laughs) covered
0: how how does it feel to say that every time you lose
1: guys you know exactly how that feels ben i've seen your dms about your bets you lose you know exactly how that
0: feels. good weekend this weekend brother we're chilling
2: Trying so hard to end the podcast. This has still been the Ring Around of all Sunday recap <laughs> show. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely for production on this episode and to Connor Evans and Argeta Ramgopal for additional production supervision. We'll see you soon.